Welcome to our podcast today on Small Business Horsepower. The Small Business Horsepower podcast, you can find it on Google, you can find it on Apple, you can find it on Spotify. We're really excited today to have Nisha Vora with us. Nisha, besides being related to me, and I'm very proud of her, she's an influencer, she's a blogger, she's a chef, and she has about 687,000 followers on Instagram. I looked it up. Nisha, welcome to the program today on Small business horsepower. Hi, Mayhol. Thanks so much for having me today. Oh, it's our pleasure. Give us a little bit about your background. Why don't you tell the story, your journey, where you went to college, uh, and what you did in the early part of your career? Sure. So as you mentioned, I went to Berkeley. So fresh out of high school, 17 years old, I really wanted to learn more about practicing law. So I majored in political science and legal studies, like a very neatly mapped out trajectory for my career. I loved being at Berkeley. I loved going to Harvard Law School and I loved the academic environment. And being in law school really helped me, I think, become a more critical thinker, a better writer, better at analyzing difficult questions. Unfortunately, when I got to practicing law for about four years, I realized it was a lot different practicing law than the kind of abstract theoretical ideas of what I had about what it's like to be aware and what it's like to use the law as this tool for change. So that was when I started to feel a little bit disillusioned. Well, let me just ask that for our listeners on Small Business Horsepower. What was it really that you did not really enjoy about? it because you prepare so hard to get there. Yeah, for sure. So I think there's a couple of different components. Um, first, when I graduated from law school, I went straight to a big corporate law firm, which is a pretty common path for young law school graduates. And I knew I didn't want to do that permanently for a long time, but it paid the bills very nicely. And um, that's kind of what all of my peers were doing. Um, and while I was there, I sort of saw how it was very easy to use the laws for wealthy corporate actors, for big banks, multinational institutions to use the law in a way that got them off the hook, even though they had very clearly committed violations of the law, very clearly had done bad things. And then after doing that for two years, I worked in a nonprofit setting where I represented low-income New Yorkers. And in contrast, I saw that even though there were laws on the books to protect and um, to protect these individuals, it was very hard to actually have that effect in reality. It was very easy to manipulate the law to not protect the people, even though they had laws in the book. So those two contrasting experiences were very disillusioning for me as someone who was very eager to use the law as this tool to like do right and to achieve change. And then I think it was also just very stressful for my personality, obviously being a lawyer in certain context like litigation, which is why I was practicing, can be very adversarial. That's kind of the how the system is designed. We have a very adversarial um, legal system. And I was just very tired and very stressed out by constantly engaging in these adversarial confrontations with opposing counsel and judges. And I just felt like it was not a good fit for my personality. And so I would dread waking up in the morning and then I would be miserable in the evening. And so the combination of those two things really made me think, okay, I have to try to do something else. And we're leading toward your profession now because during that time, you also suffered a lot of physical ailments, right? And things that develop, which really helped, uh, which guided you then to focus a lot on your diet, correct? Yeah. So I, I didn't have any like serious ailments, but certain things that, you know, make you not feel your best on a regular basis. So I had stomach aches every day. I had migraines a lot for a certain period of time. And I, 
you know, tried a bunch of different diets to try to figure out what the solution was. And then I learned at some point in my journey, I'm heavily lactose intolerant. And I noticed how much better I felt when I didn't eat that. So I think around 2016, I started to investigate, like, where's my food coming from? How's it making me feel? And so when I decided to go vegan in 2016, I started to feel better pretty much immediately in terms of like the stomach aches and the headaches. And then that kind of coincided with me starting my very budding business. I wouldn't even call it a business at that point, but just really, I had started my Instagram account at that point and I was sharing photos of food that I was making that was plant-based and it was all very new. And it was just a little hobby at the time while I was still practicing law. Oh, great. So is that how you started your site, rainbowplantlife.com? Yeah. So I I was working as a lawyer, the, the second job I had, and I just wanted to like have a creative outlet and something to de-stress from those very stressful days. And so I had always loved cooking. I started cooking as a teenager. And so I just really got back into cooking more and more and then starting to share that on Instagram, really with no intention in mind, just as like hobby, as a pure interest. And it started to take off. And then I used that as kind of a jumping off point to find a job outside of law. So I started applying to very young food startups in New York City, which is where I lived at the time and was able to get a job at a great young vegan startup, food startup where I started doing the social media marketing, the food photography, the copywriting, the recipe testing. So I started that in 2017 and started to kind of just continue building my small little business on the side as a side hustle. Well, I read you have 687,000 followers, which is mind boggling for me. How does this whole thing about being an influencer work? Can you explain that whole concept and how it takes off in your mind? Probably not. Unfortunately, I don't love the term influencer because I don't know, like I understand that I have influence, but my job, at least how I interpret it is to share, you know, delicious vegan recipes with people to encourage people to eat more plants. And so if I can influence people to do that, that is obviously the like a huge win for me. Um, and I think for everyone, but I don't identify as an influencer. I think we have certainly a huge influencer market. And this is like a new kind of career space that didn't exist six or seven years ago. I didn't even know what an influencer was when I started my Instagram account. So I would say the tricky parts of it are navigating a very I would say unsteady, but it's certainly not a traditional career path. So like, for instance, your income will vary month to month based on the traffic to your blog or the traffic to your YouTube channel or how many partnerships you do. Whereas if I were still a lawyer, I'd be just getting the same biweekly check, right? So I think that's a very different component of it. I think also something that's a little unique is that there aren't as many benchmarks for knowing whether you're doing a good job. Um, Again, like if you're in a traditional corporate setting, you get promoted, you get a raise, you kind of understand whether you're doing a good job at your, at your company or not. Whereas here it's like, sure, you can look at how many followers you have or how many views you have, but it's not as black and white as to what success means in this industry and in this space. That's a great point. But I mean, when you think about it, you really do your best when you love what you do, right? And so I, what I hear you're saying is I'm proud of having 687,000 followers. And if I can make a difference in people's lives, that's what I want to do. That's great. But you didn't set out to become an influencer, have X amount of followers. You set out to do something you really love to do and hope people would appreciate it and find something out of it, right? So... Absolutely. I don't think it's sustainable if you set out to become like Insta famous or 
to become like a famous YouTuber. I think it's sustainable only if you continue to do it for the love of doing it and to if you really enjoy the process. And so I try to focus more on, am I enjoying the work I do on a daily basis, on a weekly basis? Am I getting value out of the contributions I make and the impact that I'm having? Am I enjoying like the work that I do instead of like, oh, how many followers do I have today versus last week? I think it's very easy to burn out if that is kind of your main focus. Great. Now let's get to your book. I got to start using these recipes. I tell you, she's got a fantastic book, The Vegan Instant instant pot cookbook. I was looking through this. I, I saw this coconut recipe. It was amazing. Listen, how did this idea for the book come about? Did Random House find you or did you hire an agent that helped you promote what you were doing? Tell us a little bit about the idea of how the cookbook came about. Sure. Yeah. So I was, this was in 2018. So I'd only been doing this for a little over a year and yes, an agent from one of the houses within Penguin Random House reached out. I had maybe 10 vegan instant pot recipes on my website or YouTube channel. Not that many, but um, they asked if I would be interested in writing a vegan instant pot cookbook. And at first I was like, why do you think I'm qualified? <laughs> I have very little experience in this space. But of course, you also don't say no to that opportunity. So um, I said yes. And then I proceeded to you know, throw myself into this project with every ounce of energy and passion. And I was still working full time outside of blogging. So it was really like a big push to get it all done. And it was a little intense, but I'm really, really glad that I had the opportunity that they saw something that they liked. They wanted to have a kind of very beautiful coffee table cookbook, but also very useful vegan instant pot cookbook that they thought hadn't yet come to the market with like really good recipes, but also really nice photography and like lots of detail and explanation. And my former background as a lawyer helped me with that last part with the lots of detail and explanation and meticulousness. So yeah, it came out in about three years ago, actually. And yeah, that's how it came about. Oh, it is fantastic. I'm looking right now at page 97, this pumpkin spice oatmeal with coconut walnut crumble. This thing looks amazing, folks. You, Our audience has to go to that page 97 and try this thing out. I'm certainly going to do that. But how how has the book business been? I'm sure that you know, there's different types of contracts and you're either paid up front or how many books you sell, but do you still find yourself out there promoting it a lot or did you find a, that promotional tour you did? I remember that was very helpful or, you know, tell us a little about the journey with this book. Sure. So generally, I don't know how it works outside the cookbook space, but generally um, once you sign a contract with a publishing house, you get some sort of advance. So let's say you get $100,000 just to make it even as like the full advance. You get paid part of it. It might be 25%, it might be 35%, you know, when you first sign the contract. So that's kind of designed to be like, here's a little bit of money to get you started in case you don't have money to like write this book on your own. And then you typically get another portion after you submit your manuscript, which is with the written content, all the photos, if you're the one doing the photos, then you get another portion after publication of the book. And then you get another final portion, maybe like six months after the publication. And then if you sell enough copies that you earn out your advance, it's like a complicated formula. Um, then you can start earning royalties on your book. So I'm lucky enough that I'm earning royalties on the book, but I don't do any promotion anymore. It's three years old. I think it's pretty rare for people to 
do a lot of promotion for a book that is that old. I just submitted actually my manuscript for my second cookbook a few months ago, which will come out next year. So once that's out, I will definitely be doing more of the promotional tour like you were talking about. It's pretty common for you to do the promotional tour in the first few months of the book's release when there's a lot of excitement and buzz. So yeah, I don't have to promote it anymore. Luckily, it still continues to sell through Amazon. I think it's still on Costco. And so as long as the Instant Pot is popular and as long as people are interested in vegan cooking, I think it's hopefully will continue to sell. Obviously there's ups and downs, right? Like it's very popular around Christmas because people buy Instant Pot for Christmas presents. It's probably not as popular in the summer when people don't cook as much. So it's definitely, again, as with this industry, as I mentioned earlier, there's lots of ebbs and flows in the traffic and in, in the interest. Just looking at it, you had alluded to this just a few minutes ago. The photos are fantastic. Did you take those photos or did you, do you have to bring someone else in who takes the photos? I took all the food photos. There's a couple photos of me in there that you know someone else took. But all the food photos, yes, I took. Wow. So most of this you did, basically, if you took the photos and wrote it, I'm sure you have editors, of course, and all of that, but uh, most of this is your own effort, correct? Yep, yep. The, obviously, the publishing house, they go through the, the manuscript with a fine-tooth comb. They do the, like, the design, so like the fonts and the colors. But all of the written content, all of the photos, that's all me. That is great. Well, tell me about that second book coming out now. What's that going to be about? So it's a different style of book. It's a more comprehensive book. It's not an instant pot focused book. It's more my approach to vegan cooking. So over the last couple of years, I've kind of moved towards really leaning into sharing how to cook, like what I think are the best vegan recipes. Like if you were going to make a vegan brownie, or a vegan bolognese, like I want to teach you how to make the best possible version. At least that's, you know, widely available on the internet. And so I take a lot of pride in that and developing flavors over time and teaching people like the why. So like, why do you saute the onions until they're golden brown instead of just sweating them? Or like, why do you add walnuts to this bolognese? Like, what's the purpose of that? Or why you use Dutch processed cocoa powder in your brownies instead of natural cocoa powder? Like, I like to get into not necessarily the science, but like the why and to, to teach people so that they can not only make my recipes, but then start to feel more comfortable in the kitchen and make their own recipes and feel very confident when they cook. So the cookbook is going to kind of focus on just like my approach, like a bunch of recipes, but also a lot of kind of not educational approach, but like a lot of instruction on and like principles and things like that, because, you know, I want people to become better cooks in general. And I really want people to feel confident when they're cooking plant-based food at home that they can make an amazing meal. Wow. So that's a totally different concept. Like I look at this cookbook, like, okay, I have an Instapot. It's very standard thing for the house. And here's wonderful recipes that whether I do it exactly right or not are probably going to taste great. Kind of you put it in there and it comes out. This is going to be a little bit advanced, right? I don't know if advanced, maybe. It, maybe that's a fair term. I'm not sure. But it's more about like, how can I teach people how to cook excellent plant-based food at home? Whether you have an Instant Pot or not, or whether you really like certain cuisine or not, because there's going to be lots of global inspiration. So if you don't love, say, Chinese food, but you love Thai food, like, there will be both of those things in there for you. So it's like going to be a lot of global inspiration and a lot of just principles that will help you understand how to become a better cook. And then how do you balance your time? By the way, for our audience, you're listening to Nisha Vora. We're so happy to have her today on Small Business Horsepower, talking to her about cooking and a bunch of other things. Nisha, how do you balance your time between writing the book and also 
your blogs and things to keep your main site there, Rainbow Plant Life, going? Do you have a certain amount of time per day you allocate to each thing or how do you work with this thing? I wish I had like a great answer, but it's definitely a work in progress. Um, when you run your own business, as you know, like there's a million things you can do. And so it's hard to create that balance. I'm still working on that. But when I was really heads down on the book, I tried to like week block in the sense that like, I think I took the entire month of March to just like write the book. I took like two weeks during the holidays to just write the book when there were no distractions. And so then like, after that month of writing the book, I then tried to like focus heavily on other content. So blog content, YouTube content, Instagram content. So I tried to like not be switching gears all the time because the cookbook work is very different than the everyday work for my ongoing content. So that definitely helped to like not have to think about all of it at once, but it's definitely a struggle to balance it all and something I continue to work on. I think this topic is very important because when I sold my company and then worked for there for about five and a half years, I've been thinking about writing a book. So I went in, I put some thoughts down, I wrote a couple of pages, but then I lost my momentum. So I think that this is a big thing. Like how many hours a day do you spend on it? And do you just keep going at it until you kind of burn out and then put it away and come back to it? Or do you say, okay, I don't want to burn out. I'm only going to spend X amount of hours a day. Like how do you approach that whole writing process? Yeah, well, so the writing process is very different from the photography process, for instance, because I also do my own photos. So the photos are less, they don't require as much brain power, I would say. So like, I'm fine sprinkling that in here and there with other stuff that I'm working on. But when I'm like writing, writing, you really need to be in a certain headspace and you kind of have to block out all distractions. So for instance, I mentioned over the holidays, like around Christmas, I had two weeks where I just wrote. So I like, my job is to cook, right? But like, I didn't want to have to like spend time cooking. So I literally just had food delivered or I like had convenience food, you know, I, it was very silly that I'm writing a cookbook and I wasn't cooking, but like, <laughs> I really wanted to next or minimize the distractions. And so I just sat at my desk for probably 10, 12 hours a day. Not great for your neck, I will say. <laughs> I just wrote as much as I could. But I think after the two weeks, I was like, I don't want to do this for another day. So it was good to have like that limited period where I was like, I know that starting January 2nd or whatever it is, like my um, employees are going to be back to work. Like, everything's going to be busy again. Like people are going to be back watching YouTube and on my blog. So like, that's when I have to kind of take a break. So having that like limited period of time of intense work is I thought was very helpful for me. Yeah. And I'm listening to you talk about all these things you do and keep your site going, your Instagram, your blogs. Do you have employees or help to accomplish these tools or do you do most all of this yourself? Tell us a little bit about a setup. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. I have help. There was no way I would be able to do everything without help. So as the business has done well, I've been able to hire people. I have, you know, my partner, Max, he does a lot of the back end stuff. He does a lot of the operations and the strategy. He doesn't work full time for Rainbow Plant Life, but almost full time, I would say. I have two employees. One is my recipe assistant. So she comes in three days a week and tests all my recipes. So I do very little recipe testing at this point. I develop the recipes. I revamp them, all that stuff. But 
she's the one who actually cooks them. And then we chat in the kitchen and like tweak recipes and things like that. And then I have an assistant who helps with like things on the blog and social media. And then I have a couple of contractors who help with some written content, some video editing. So definitely cannot do it all on my own. I, I used to do it all on my own, but I think that, you know, once your business starts to do better, as soon as you have the opportunity to hire people to make your life a little bit easier, it's absolutely a necessity. It's like hard to like give up control, but at the end of the day, it frees up your time and allows you to work on the things you love the most. So an absolutely critical thing for me is delegating and hiring people. Right. Because I think in any business, would you agree consistency is the key to keeping a business going? And so if you have blogs, if you have Instagram posts, but they're sporadic, it's probably probably not going to sit well with the audience. They're going to tune out. So you have to have help when you're doing all these other projects to make sure some of those tasks that repeat over and over again in the blogs that your audience expects to see or your posts are constant. Is that correct? Yeah, to a certain extent. I would prefer higher quality over quantity. So it's not like I'm generally right. in a rush to be like, oh, I have to get out this every day or whatever. But having the help certainly helps with me staying consistent in terms of being able to do the job that I do every day and to enjoy it. And it also helps with the quality, obviously. Like my recipe assistant will test certain recipes 10, 15 times. And that's not unheard of here. And because I want people to have the perfect- 10 to 15 times? Wow. The more complicated recipe, yeah. Not always, sometimes it's three or four, but because I think there's a very negative stereotype about vegan food being bland or boring or whatever it is, when people make my recipes, I want them to be delighted and excited because if you're not vegan and you just try a recipe from Google that's vegan and it's really disappointing because someone hasn't put the effort into making it a good recipe, you might just be like, screw this. I'm never going to eat vegan food. I'm never going to be interested in eating more plant-based. And so I want people to have the opposite reaction. I want them to think, wow, like maybe this is sustainable. Maybe this is something that's really easy and delicious and something that's exciting. So yes, having the help enables me to do that. Like when I didn't have a recipe assistant, I couldn't test recipes that many times because then that's all I would be doing. Nisha, it's been so great having you today here on Small Business Horsepower. Tell our audience, you know, again, you mentioned it once, but where they can find your cookbook, your current one, and when the time frame is for the next one and where they can find you on the internet or Instagram or YouTube. Tell us where we can find you. Yes. So my cookbook, the Vegan Instant Pot Cookbook, you can find it on Amazon. It's probably the easiest place. Some cookbook stores will sell it, but since it is three years old at this point, the easiest place is to get it on Amazon. You can find me at Instagram, Rainbow Plant Life, YouTube, Rainbow Plant Life, my blog, rainbowplantlife.com. And then my next cookbook will unfortunately not be out for about a year. So some time from now. Well, thank you so much. And we look forward to having you back on the program when the next book comes out. Thank you for coming today on Small Business. Business horsepower. Okay, talk to you later, Mihal. Bye. Thank you.